0: day um ak is not here today uh got taken away by some uh family situations nothing serious but um so we have peter back who was uh where were you in the wilds of manitoba i was out
1: in god's country um way up in a place called nopaming park uh out fishing with my son and my uh nephew
2: oh that's a joy yeah i'm so sorry i missed that
0: yeah, no. Were you in the wilds outside of Winnipeg, Alberta? Yeah, <laughs> I still can't believe that. There's nothing like baiting a hook all day. Mm. Yeah, you know the funny thing is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind fishing. I just wouldn't know what the hell to do if I ever
2: caught something because yeah, I, I always, I always throw it back. I mean, I fished with my dad, and we would probably do it once a year when I was a kid. He loved it. I endured it. It was just, it was like that. I know how to cast. I could do all of it. It's yeah. just not a fun thing for
0: me. Yeah, no, I've, I, I mean, I've, I have fished off of a dock. I've never caught anything, yeah. you know, probably because the water, the water uh, that I was fishing off of is semi-polluted. So even if I got something, it would probably be some sort of mutated thing. Or at least it doesn't light on fire. Well, well that, that's true. Thank you, Cleveland. Uh, OK, um, we're doing we're continuing our overrated, underrated series since we're all such music. Wait, I
2: still had something. I thought <laughs> oh, you no, I'm
0: sorry. And I said go ahead. No.
2: <laughs> so apparently in British Columbia somewhere, because I'm not going to open the article, some moron <laughs> was feeding a Timbit to a bear. Now, it looked like a bear cub. And so let, let's go through this. For one thing, even if it's a bear cub, what is one Timbit going to do? Like if that's your your your. The idea of you're going to give a, a snack to a wild animal, which is a dumb idea. But let's just say it's a good idea. Why would you give a Timbit of all the things? Like, you know, there's so many better donuts in the Tim Horton world. Like, why would you chintz out and just give a Timbit anyhow? It's all they had. That's No, a- well, it's not all they had. They like, ate the other
0: stuff. You know that. Come but, on. But you know what the thing is? This is a symptom of, like, these stupid commercials where – I can't remember what what company it is, and better that I don't know because uh, you know then I get sued by them. But there's this commercial where like three women are on they're hiking and they come upon this like wild like wolf or uh, or hyena or something like that, and it says oh it's a rescue we should try to rescue it, and they're like offering, and I'm like you don't understand there are people stupid enough to think that that's what you do. Yeah. That They don't realize this is sarcasm and you don't really try to. I mean, and if they get attacked, it's their own damn fault. It is. In the
2: Instagram world, I think we have about like 2,000 deaths a year now for people falling off of mountains and, and other things. They just, and also thinking they're going to have this great yeah. video with like a wild animal. And it's like, you know, what if in that video you get to take home that animal bit off your hand? You know, yeah. like, yeah. how would that be?
0: Either, either that, or either that, or these, you know, these idiots going up on high, you know, high places to take selfie you know, cool looking selfies, yeah. and then cra- you know, crashing to their death. I right. mean, that's, you know, what? That's that's a uh, that's the Darwin Awards. That's. By the way, I do applaud Canada
2: because they they find the guy two grand. I well, that's it's
0: great. it's funny, Russ. Um, there, and I, you know, again. I believe they found this this woman not guilty, but a friend of mine who works for CBC was injured uh, after there was a there was a woman who climbed up a crane in downtown Toronto a few okay. years ago, and she was arrested for basically uh, I, I think it was it was on a construction site and they charged her with uh, you know uh, violating uh, private property. And um my reporter friend was covering her hearing and she didn't want to talk to the press and she ran for a cab or or to get to the subway and he was following her and he like tore his quads uh chasing after her. But she was found she was found not guilty. And I'll bet you anything, she was either drunk and did it on a dare, or she went up there to take a friggin' selfie. People are idiots that do this yeah Yeah,
2: they're all all looking for that viral moment it's like i I don't i don't get that like i guess
0: if everybody wants fame that way fantastic but i i don't get it she was protesting native right I, i i've never heard that and if that's the case fine but still there's better better ways to protest native rights than to climb a crane yeah you could do it on the ground yeah exactly now maybe you say she's not going to get any attention from that she'll get attention by climbing oh, you know what
2: you do I'll give you a good way go to like North Dakota any of those places that are fracking or or trying to lay some uh, gas pipeline and go there and you'll get you'll get noticed yeah that's a great place to do it
0: Okay, um let's we're going to do our overrated underrated game. We won't do it for long because yeah. you know people have a problem with us going on 25 minutes about talking about anything other than hockey. Um but we we did the Beatles, we did the Stones. We're going to do Led Zeppelin now. Um the next one we'll do after this is The Who because we're go, we're ca- tackling the classics. Um I love Led Zeppelin. They're one of my favorite bands, but even my favorite bands, there are songs that are not—I don't think—are particularly great, and they get overplayed because they're great bands. And I'll, I'll start first with the overrated. With me, the you know, the most overrated album of Led Zeppelin is Four, um, because Stairway to Heaven. And I love Stairway to Heaven. I would never include it as an overrated. It's just—it's just been beaten into the ground because it's been played so many times. Huh. but. The song that I don't particularly like on that album that I think is extremely overrated is "Black Dog." I really it, it it's an okay song that has really been just beaten to the ground, and I it, it, now it's at the point where if I hear it on the radio, and I don't listen to the radio much anymore, but if I have it on my iPod, which I do, I quickly click to the next song because I just heard it so many times, and it's not a particularly great song. It's okay but it's it, it you know it just it gets it gets on my nerves. Uh Peter what is your most overrated Zeppelin song? Um
1: you know this is this is a, a tricky one because a lot of the Zeppelin songs that you people hear and love they are also sort of things that are kind of there, there riffs offer really great blues songs. And look, there's no right. question that um, Jimmy Page was not shy about borrowing things, but he sure. borrowed a lot of chord progressions. He didn't necessarily borrow Total comp- compositions, unless you listen to um, Willie Dixon and Whole Lot of Love. Sure. So I really like Whole Lot of Love. It's, it's one of my favorite songs, but it's also vastly overrated because they did have to pay a settlement fee on that song for mm-hmm. basically stealing okay. it from Willie Dixon. So that's my o- overrated. Okay. Russ,
0: you're overrated.
2: Overrated. Uh, ramble on. I mean, okay. that song that's played to death on the radio, it's got about five lyrics. But, and it just repeats over and over and over. It is a rambling song, and I don't know why it ever got the radio play. It
0: did. Mm, okay, um, underrated. I have a tie. I have to say that I think that Led Zeppelin One could be the best debut album I've ever heard. It's one of the. It's one of the best. Um, oh, and I
2: don't know. I mean, it, I could argue. I could argue with Boston with theirs. Sure. That was revolutionary. I could argue with Kansas with theirs.
0: Well, I said one of the best. I'm not saying oh, the best. But know. but it, but they recorded it in like, I think it was like three or four days. It was like, yeah. a, it was a marathon session. And most of the, they weren't recording with 16 track or 24 track. I think they were just playing in the studio and they did it all. It was like, it was basically a live recording or it, at most it was two or three tracks. So, but my, uh, for the representative of that album it would be babe i'm gonna leave you because i that's just an incredible song and led zeppelin 3 is extremely underrated as well and the song off that album that just kills me every time i listen to it is since i've been loving you it's the guitar solo by page in the middle of it is blistering it's phenomenal okay peter underrated
1: underrated you know there's there's a lot of great songs by Led Zeppelin. My, my probably my favorite underrated song that doesn't get a lot of radio play, but is still just an absolute shaker of a tune, is um, "The Rover" from uh, Physical Graffiti. Just an absolute shaker, just serious guitar riff, absolutely amazing. Um, but I do agree. With you, there's a lot on, um, what Zeppelin one, the debut album that gets overlooked and another favorite song of mine is good times, bad times Yeah, it's an awesome song, but yeah, the Rover and then say good times, bad times. There's yeah. how
0: many more times is another great song. Oh, but yeah. uh, I, I only wanted to keep it to two. Uh, okay. Russ underrated. Well, the interesting thing about Zeppelin is
2: they're not even on my iPod. I know a lot of songs and a lot of their words, right? Played all through my childhood, but it didn't never really stuck with me past the 80s. But um, I'm going to go immigrant song, even though the last couple of years it did end up in a couple of fight scenes, like in Dark World, and there was another Netflix movie that it ended, a TV series that it ended up in. But I think the guitar work in that is great. I think that that's underrated guitar work, and I think that it doesn't get the mention that a lot of the other songs do.
0: I think the strangest use of a Zeppelin song as part of a soundtrack, and I love the movie, the movie Argo uh, with Ben Affleck about uh, the Iranian, the, uh-huh. the Iranian host or U.S. Um, US um, uh, officials that got away from the, the embassy and were uh, protected by the Canadian embassy until they were snuck out. Um, they're, they're waiting to get out and they start playing um, – at the embassy, they start playing When the Levy Breaks, which yeah, is, yeah. you know, I, it was, I mean, it was, it was sort of cool, but I was like, okay, that, that's that's sort of random. But, okay, um, let's get the show started here. I have a few things to talk about, and we'll take some questions in the chat. Uh, Hello, Hockey World. Today is Wednesday, August 28th,
1: 2019. I am Peter Tessie in uh, moderately balmy Winnipeg. <laughs> Russ Cohen from Sportsology.
2: Frank is, unfortunately, in Disney where he is. Is blistering in the sun and
0: won't get to hear Peter. Yeah. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on hockeybuzz.com. Okay, let's start with retirement news. Uh, Cam Ward, who I believe. Oh, I thought you were retiring. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, believe me, I'll be working till I die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Cam Ward, who won the Conn Smythe uh, trophy in 06 when the uh when the Carolina Hurricanes won the Stanley Cup. I, he was a rookie that year, correct Russ? Yep. Yeah. He has retired. Um at the age of thirty-five. Uh he played uh all but one season with the Carolina Hurricanes, uh twenty seven shutouts Uh, a record of 334, 256, and 88, 908 career save percentage. I mean, a good goaltender for the majority of his career, had some ups and downs, uh, but, you know, started to slip late in his career, had a terrible year with with a bad Blackhawks team. But all in all, I think a very good goaltender. Russ, what did you think of uh, Cam Ward?
2: No, he was. And, you know, you got to watch him during that playoff run when he took over the job from Martin Gerber. And it was interesting because for that game seven, we were in Carolina and we got into the locker room early. Like it was a weird thing. We went a different way and we're in the locker room and no reporters were there. The only people in the locker room were CBC setting up and maybe one other network. And so we just hung around. Right. And so we saw Cam Ward walk in with the con Smythe and he's like, what do I do with it? Like, you know, cause he's carrying it. And we were like, I don't know, let's put it over there. If you're done with it, I mean, it was like, it was like a funny moment because, you know, and guys were just strolling off the ice and we're just like, why are you two here? And nobody else. It was really funny. And now of course they don't even do it in the locker room anymore. They, they do it out on the ice, but he was everything to them in that run. He, again, Edmonton was like a surprise team in a way. I mean, they had no goaltending, right? I mean, you see their, yeah, everyone
1: kept getting injured.
2: Yeah, they were on their
0: third goalie.
1: And Chris 49 minutes a night. And, and that his playoffs alone that year were worthy of MVP. Yeah. If you could vote for it, the way he played in that postseason was worthy of an MVP award. Yeah.
2: yeah. And had Conger yeah, playing for them and like Steve Steyos and. Well, for
0: Fernando Pisani. Yeah. Um, you know Mike Pekka. I mean that that was sort of a hodgepodge team, and yeah, they went through three goaltenders, and and you know if that was just a it was a really weird playoff because remember Buffalo played Carolina in the conference final, and Carolina used Cam Ward, and they used um, the former Leaf, former Kane goal. I can't. Um, oh, uh, Martin Gerber. Martin they Gerber. used Martin Gerber at a couple points during the playoffs, and they only got to the Cup final because you know guys like Jeff Gilson – and Rory Fitzpatrick were playing defense for the Sabres in Game 7 because they were so decimated with injuries. So, you know, that, it was a good team, and if you look at the roster of the Carolina Hurricanes at that point, I mean, turned you know, Brenda Moore and other, other really good players, but they really got lucky that they ran up against teams like Edmonton and Buffalo that were decimated by injuries.
2: Well, Let's not sell them short. That top line was Agreed. one of the best in hockey. It was Andrew Ladd was a stud back then. Yes. So let's not forget any of that. But Cam Ward was the driver of it. He really was. Brendan Moore was a big deal too. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. Cam Ward was the driver of it. And I was very impressed with him because he let it get to his head. I don't think he's one of those goalies that will look at and say, well, that was like the only good year in his career. And then he sort of tailed off. I just think it was one of those situations where Carolina tailed off and Cam Ward played a load of games for a lot of years. And after a while, it took its toll on him. I think – he was one of those goalies. If he had load management, he'd still be playing now.
0: Well, I, I think it, I think this is a sign. Not to say he he didn't he didn't sort of drift off at the end of his career, but we always talk about goalies being good into their late thirties or maybe even early forties. I mean, you've seen with Luongo, because he played the butterfly all that time, guys like J.S. Shigeru, who played the butterfly, their hips wear out after a while, and they can't play that deep into, into their careers, whereas goalies in the past, guys like Glenn Hall and Sawchuk, played into their 40s, and even later on, other goaltenders did as well. Um it's only the top echelon goalies Peter like like Lundqvist, that I think are are capable of going into their late 30s brodura as well it's not going to be the guys who I mean cam Ward is it was a very good goalie but he was never top three or four in the league no and and I mean, yeah
1: you're right, Mike it's the elite guys who seem to be able to play that 65 to 70 games a year and yes their time gets managed but Dominic hassock was like that um who else i mean there's a few Bullen
2: played 72 one year i think
1: yeah hobby bullen like
2: 75 maybe even 75 games
1: yeah absolutely and those are the you know they managed to do it you know there's i've always said that you know in front of a great athlete who has longevity and performance you know the greats there's there's a whole world we don't see about how they manage their day-to-day lives, what they don't do, what they what they support away from their performance moments on screen or in person, as you may see them. But there's a little bit of luck and genetic lottery that comes into this, how your body responds to things, what you're able to do. That's why it's not it's not done all the time that's why you don't see it's exceptional when athletes can do that and you know you can think of many of them in hockey and other sports too Mm. and there's a little bit of luck you don't have those weird career injuries and stuff it's 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 incredible really and you know it's you know for ward you know it's he wasn't one of those guys but you know he managed to eke out a career it's a demanding position the one thing I hate, as you know,
2: is the one-day contract. Can we please stop with the one-day contract? Because it even gets reported, like someone reported, where now the the Hurricanes have three goalies or they
0: have another goalie. No, they don't. He's not hitting the ice. He is- well, what's, what's, what's the definition when you have three goaltenders, you don't have one? And in this case oh, – It's like,
2: just stop. We know Cam Ward is pretty much a hurricane. We get it. We don't need the one-day contract. Just stop. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a it's a
0: P, it's a PR thing. That's all it is. I I mean I I, I get it, but it, it it is sort of lame now. It's like it's symbolic. I mean, okay, he played every except you know every game except I think it was thirty three for the Carolina Hurricanes. So honor him with a Cam Ward night. You don't have to make a fake contract and sign him, and 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 just issue a press release congratulating him on his career, and you you don't have to go down that road. The one thing the one thing though, and then we'll. We'll move on from this. I mean, this is sort of symbolic of where the NHL is going. Now he's 35 and his career is over with. We have seen, and we've seen it in the NFL, especially with running backs. Uh, I think less so in, in major league baseball, but that it probably will happen there. But in the NHL, you know, you used to see regularly defensemen going to their mid to late 30s. Guys like Teppo Newman in Buffalo, James Patrick in Buffalo, last around the, to their mid 30s um you know guys you know they're still the the guys like patrick marlow who last into their 40s or Yager, but it's now the exception rather than the rule and we see with the with the focus now on these rfas on their second contract where a few years ago they would have been content to take a two or three year bridge deal or a four or five year deal for lesser money because they were going to hit their big money at 27 or 28. Now they realize their careers could be over by 31 or 32, and they have to get paid now. And that's the trend. That's the trend that has changed the face of of the NHL, Peter.
1: Absolutely. Um, You're you're making more money earlier on. You're not like, remember back in the the 90s and in the early 2000s when you got, you were a UFA at 31 and guys were just getting an exorbitant amount of money. I mean, there's I mean that's when the the bad contract um, graveyard just came in. And I mean, thank God for most of them, there weren't salary cap. There wasn't a salary cap then, because it would have just killed teams. You remember Bobby Halik at one point was making ten million a year. Yeah, just it's insanity. I, so, I remember
2: that Peter. I covered the Rangers. That yeah,
0: yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. you remember that contract, Russ.
1: Oh yeah, and what's his face? Um, the guy who lived in the minors. They finally had to bend oh, the rule. Wait, Redden. Wait,
0: Redden. Redden.
1: Yeah, Redden. See, there's a name you haven't heard in ages. What? It's just so you know. Now it's a different thing, and you've got a. It's made the game a little more cutthroat. It's made it a little more like the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. You've got to be smart you've got to, and you've got to work your tail off and and, and get your position because the, we've talked about this many times on on the podcast before. There is the the guys coming into the game now in the, between the ages of 18 and 21 have never been better prepared to play professional sports and hockey than ever. Right. They are trained out the ying. they've been training for 15 years practically and they've never been in better condition and it's and and the gms the coaches know that and if you can't perform there's a younger guy who's cheaper looking to make big bucks sooner who will take your spot
0: yeah and, and the funny thing just on that on that whole league contract russ i remember when it, it was basically justified by i think it was a say that was a say their contract correct yeah, this was God. it was justified as he he neutralized the, the the top centers in the league or in the east like Lindros or Sundin but they paid a checking center who scored maybe 20 goals a year 9 million yeah. on I think a 5-year deal and just like what are you doing? The
2: problem was his like a lot of bigger guys his eye hand slowed down Mm-hmm. And so, like when he would score from the crease in the past, he couldn't do it anymore. And so then, yeah, then you literally just had a guy who you expected just to play gritty and big on the ice. And to be honest, like he wasn't overly aggressive anymore. And so, yeah, it was one of those things where Holik was past it. And I think the Rangers signed him simply to keep him away from the devils. I really do.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was just bizarre. And, and, but you remember this was the pre cap. So you could basically pay anybody, anything and, and you could make it go away. Like, uh, like Lou Lamorello made uh, Vladimir yeah. he did the Vladimir Malakoff's contract.
2: And, you know,
0: and too. Yeah.
2: I do want to point this out. Like his first year, he had 16 goals, 35 points. It was abysmal. The yeah. second year was better. He had 25 points, 56, 25 goals, 56 points. Right. Um, that's not terrible for him. So I think the issue was then it was just like too many expectations for the salary. And then after that, he never got over 15 goals, but yeah, just his overall effectiveness just wasn't fantastic.
0: Now, just, for, just to t- touch on uh, a little bit of, I, I saw this uh, on Twitter uh Via somebody else because this uh, particular agent has blocked me, uh, but Alan Walsh announced uh, that he is now representing former Canadians defenseman Andre Markov. He, that he has added Markov to his uh, to his clientele and that he's been intensively training in Florida this summer and is determined to play in the NHL this year. Well, that's all great, but he's I believe 41.
2: Yeah.
0: And if you looked at his statistics last year, he dropped like a stone in the K. Yeah. So I don't care if he's he's been working out with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, you can't cheat Father Time. And I, you know, if if Montreal, who has a we who has is weak on the left side of their D, wasn't willing to give him a one year deal just to to see what was there, I don't think anybody else is.
2: I mean, if I were a GM, I wouldn't care if he was training for like the Scooby Doo Laugh Olympics. I wouldn't care. Like, he's just passed it. It's just – and, again, if Montreal signs him, he is just there to get to the 1,000 games, and then he is going to fade away quickly. They have mean, to know
0: that. I mean, Peter, do you think that's what it is? Do you think he's just doing what Placanitz did? He went back to Montreal, played, I think, three games, got over a 1,000, and said, good, said goodbye?
1: Yeah, it could happen. I mean, why not? I mean, it's – uh it, it, How does it, not it help
2: your team, but, Peter? It doesn't, help, it doesn't help your team, though. No,
1: Peter. the problem is is that you, you, it's Montreal has to be copacetic to just flushing money down the toilet because that's all right. they're doing, right? Right. And, you know, if that's a good PR move for the Habs, and I could actually see them doing that. Like, I think that's something that could maybe right or wrong, so to speak, for them in a PR situation. Um You know, but you you know, you got to get talk Jeff Molson into uh, pissing away, you know, a few hundred thousand to a million dollars to do it. But you know, it's a shame that Markov did has that age curve drop. Right, he was a very talented guy. He was smart on the ice. He was very efficient in 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 how he worked the ice in his later years. He compensated for, Mm -hmm. what you know, what Nick Lidstrom said, I couldn't keep up, so I'm done. Right. Like he found ways to compensate for that and, and managed to be play a vital role. Lidstrom was different in, and there's another athlete who played a long time, who was incredible. Um, you know, Lidstrom just didn't, couldn't play the level he wanted to play at, which is a different issue. But there are probably a couple of teams out there who could use a Markov in their makeup, just from a point of view of you can give the guy third line minutes in, in sheltered areas and not expect him to be Andre Markov from 2004. Yeah, sure. the
2: help help Atlanta. He didn't. You know what I mean? Like that's what you're looking at now. I mean, Chelios was much older, I get it. But that's really what you're looking at now. I
1: don't think I don't think given who Atlanta was then, I don't think they had the understanding of sheltering players yeah usage that level of understanding of how to do that wasn't in the lexicon particularly for them um, back then it may have been for some smarter teams but you you'd have to have a coach who understood it yeah. and you know and and, and a gm and, and and a roster that could use that and i'm not sure you know there's a, probably a couple of teams out there who might have the roster for it mm-hmm. i don't know if they have the coach or the gm who could see it I mean it's looking you, Canucks. Hey, his fault though, because a couple of years ago
2: he wanted two years. And right. The odds only would give him a year, and he's like, No, he gets all pissed off. Remember, there was this whole yeah, yeah. absolutely.
1: He was I ready thought. to go. He has and nobody to blame but himself. He, yeah. he does. That was that was something his agent should have talked to him about. Yeah. He said, Look, you are now on the one year contract. See how you feel at the end of it. It's exactly what the lease probably should have done with Marlowe. Yeah. In terms of one year, maybe pay him seven million that first year, and it, it's exactly what Joe Thornton has done. Joe Thornton did with San Jose.
2: Yeah, but um, they put the pro- other suitors for Marlowe. So. They need- couldn't have gotten him for
0: that. Yeah, the problem was the third year was the determining factor. Well, he was not he would have he would have stayed in San Jose or he would have gone someplace else if he didn't get the third year from Toronto. And then right. that in the end cost Toronto a first round pick to get rid of it. Um now, you know, yeah, a team a team like Washington or a team like Tampa Bay, if they if they had a spot on their bottom pairing and they wanted to pair him with a younger guy and they limited him to eleven or twelve minutes a night, that might be a fit, but uh, you know, that's very limiting, and I don't know if anybody is going to be willing.
2: They're not going to do that. I mean, they're either going to do it for the PR sake or they're not going to do it at all. I don't know if another team is going to
0: want them. Yeah. I think another team is going to have to be pretty desperate. And I don't think Alan Walsh is emissive on Twitter, you know, to attracting attention to the fact that he's representing Andre Markov. And some, I think in some instances that's going to hurt him because Alan Walsh doesn't have a lot of, doesn't have as many friends as he thinks of in, in the league. Um, now, okay, just, just continuing on this, this sort of uh, bent here, um, if you look at the available free agents, unrestricted free agents still out there, a lot of them have the same thing in common. Over the age of 35 or close to being 35, um, Dion Phaneuf is 34 years old. There hasn't been one inkling of a even a even a PTO for Phaneuf. Um, it's still surprising, and again, I think this is a, this is a symptom of the 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 Sharks wanting to make an announcement at the same time, probably around the start of training camp, that Patrick Marlowe is not signed at 39 years old. Thornton has not been signed uh, as well, but I'm assuming if they're going to do it, they're going to do it together in a a joint sort of statement type of thing, bringing the veteran guys back. Uh, Jason Pommenville is skating informally with the Sabres like in in pre-camp practices, but there is no indication that the Sabres are going to offer him any kind of contract. And, and, and you know, he
2: had a pretty Brandon, decent... He's in Brandon press territory. He's well, I, mean, I, th- I, think, I,
0: I think he's better than that, Russ. I mean, he had 16... He were, hold on. If he were better than that, he'd be signed already. Well, I. it may be the fact that he wants to play in only certain places like... Okay, well... And he did score 16 goals last year, and apparently well, his, his probably, analytics numbers are good, but, yeah, you know... He's a decent player. I'm not get,
2: getting you on that, but... If he were in demand, somebody would have had, found a way to sign him already is my point. He is not in demand.
0: Yeah, and there are, there are certain players, Peter, that are limiting their choices to particular teams. Pominville may be one of them. Nicholas Cronval, who's 38 Um, he may have gotten offers from other teams, but apparently he only wants to go back and play with Detroit and that's really not where Detroit is right now. Why, you know, why are they going to go and bring in a veteran defenseman when they can play a Chalowski or Roenick or one of the young defensemen and get them started on their career?
1: Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And I think, you know, you would think that Steve Iserman and and Cronwall's agent would have had that conversation and made that clear because it seems silly now for. Detroit to bring him back. Like, what does that do for them? Particularly this late in the game. You couldn't hammer this out earlier. Like, you know, but Cronwall's the kind of guy, right? Like, where do you put him in if you're trying to develop a team? What right. does he bring? Like, you know, again, like, you know, we used to the idea of of a Markov. Do you put Cronwall in that same category of player that Markov is in terms of reputation and experience? There's certainly experience There's in some
0: certain- ways I'd put in some
2: ways I'd put him higher
1: yeah, yeah
2: but I, markov is a superior offensive player, so it's like he was yeah. you wants. know so it's like I still think markov had a had a better career. It's just that cronwall has got a great reputation because he's a very good defenseman
0: right
2: He was uh, never a great defenseman or, no. or a,
0: and, and his his big thing was his checking along yeah. the boards and in, in the in the center of the ice, and he did it last year with I think Matthews in Toronto. But there were, his hits his big hits were few and far between, and really that type of game is not conducive to the league anymore with the, all the concerns. I mean, if he throws a check that's a little bit off, he gets suspended for five games for it being too high or too yeah. low or whatever. Um, another okay, another player is Dan Girardi, thirty five years old. I uh, have not heard anything in terms of him getting a PTO. Maybe he's holding out for a one-year deal. Maybe maybe Tampa will invite him. But with Tampa bringing in, you know, they 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 had, they brought back Coburn. They brought back Ruda. They added uh, Shen and Shattenkirk. I'm thinking that they're, they're probably not going to add any more defensemen, Russ.
2: Uh, I think they're probably not. I think Girardi is going to have to wait for an injury. Again, he's not the fleetest of foot. He's a good shot blocker. He's got a lot of mileage. Somebody could use him, but somebody's going to have to have a need first. Yeah. And, and nobody does right this moment. But you get into camp a few weeks into camp. Maybe somebody gets injured, then they come calling. That's that perfect I,
0: I think he'd be a perfect fit on the bottom pairing with Toronto. But apparently, Dubas Dubis is it, it loves mobile defensemen, and I it right. comes, he's not that. Yeah, and he's not that, but you know, you're not getting Jake Gardner back for for a million bucks for one year, so that's that's not happening. Mar-
2: Mitch Marner never signs.
0: Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, if, another one is Thomas Bannock who scored 36 points last year with Detroit. 35 years old. You know, he's lost. He's lost more than a step. But again, even in this faster league he did score 36 points so I'm a little surprised he hasn't had any kind of PTO from anybody
2: here's here's the way they work this now do I bring Thomas Vanek in who yes can get me 36 points doesn't play defense is limited what he could do five on five or am I just going to give a kid in my system a break and he'll come he'll come in a little cheaper and I'm forwarding my system and getting you know Everybody moves up a slot, and I'm making my system stronger. These days, most teams are going to opt for that than bringing in a guy for that amount of points. It's not enough points to to really make a difference.
0: Yeah, Funky Cold Zadina in the chat said, surprised Holland hasn't signed Vanek. And the thing is, you can't say that he wouldn't be amenable to going to Edmonton because, remember, he signed an offer sheet to go to Edmonton in 07. Uh, and the Sabres, the Sabres matched it. So
2: let me answer Funky Cold Zadina in a very easy way. Ken Holland may be saying that they're going to try and compete and everything
0: else, yes. but Ken Holland
2: is not signing any more older players. He's
0: not. And and with Connor, and I'm not saying he's going to miss the beginning of the season, but with Connor McDavid's uncertain health situation, where he doesn't even know if he's going to be there at the opening of training camp, if he if he misses five games there in the regular season in terms of at the beginning of the year, he's not going to be 100% starting at the beginning of the season. And everything is in, is tied to McDavid being good. And if he's not good and he's not healthy at the beginning of the year, they're a last-place team.
2: And I don't think the fan base wants to see any more
0: 35-year-olds either, to be honest. Right, yeah. right. You know, play Kaylor Yamamoto. Yep. Give him an opportunity. Yep, they'd rather see that. Uh, other names: Ben Lovejoy, uh, uh, Brian Boyle is apparently he scored 18 goals last year, and Brian Boyle hasn't ha, hasn't uh, received a contract or a PTO.
2: Um, Again, Brian Boyle has slowed down a lot.
0: <laughs> so a lot of teams
2: now have a guy for four C, and a lot of teams are using like a younger guy for three C because they want to be faster. Yeah, you've got to have a reason to want Brian Boyle in your in your on your team. Is it for penalty killing? And a little bit of 4C, you know, then you could find a slot for him. But it's pretty limited. And I think that's why he's not signed.
0: But, Peter, I mean, I look at the – okay, and I I grant everything that Russ just said. I I think he's slowing down. He's a bigger guy. But he still scored 18 goals last year in a faster league. You would think that somebody, unless his contract demands in terms of money are way out of whack, that he would have received an offer and taken one by now.
1: These are the curious ones, right? Like – You look at just, just the basic numbers and you go, what's missing here? What don't we understand about this? It's, and I think you hit it, Mike, the contract demands are probably significant, Um, they probably started fairly significant too. And as teams are buying players, spending money, you, you sort of lose the ability to keep spending money and you you lose the ability for you to fit in. So now he's sort of late in the year, Mm -hmm. he's got to find a team that's going to pay him near what he wants and that isolates down who you can do because those teams may not want him well here's like, a good answer you've got it like your agent has to market yourself appropriately and that's their job they're they're salesmen too right
2: but look at think it. look at it this way so last year he was a minus 13 with the devils he was a minus one with nashville he had seven power play goals so take away the seven power play goals and now all of
0: a sudden you know, 11 goals, five on five. Yeah,
2: know. and he only had six assists. You could get that much cheaper from within your own system.
0: You can't. Mm. Okay. Um, talk about this, and then we'll take some questions in the chat. Um, you know, the, the face of hockey coverage uh, is sort of changing before our eyes. We've seen, you know, names, and this uh, – I mean, he was more a – Broadcaster covering general sports in Toronto for years, like Bob McCowan, uh, who was let go by Sportsnet a few a month or so ago. But in terms of the Sportsnet hockey coverage, you know, we've seen Scott Morrison let go. Uh, we've seen Doug McLean let go, who was a host of hockey. Co-host of Hockey Central, Darren Millard was let was let go last year. Bob Bob Cole has retired, and now today it's announced that Nick Kiprios and Sportsnet have split, and Kiprios is, uh, I mean it, it, it was it was couched as they they're going their separate ways. We know that Sportsnet has had significant budgetary problems based on the m- losses they have been they have incurred because of the NHL contract uh, they signed. And Kiprios has been with Sportsnet since I think the beginning of Sportsnet. Yeah, so he's been there for over twenty years, and you know now he's now he's out, and. Peter, it's you know I mean I there, I have friends and colleagues who work at Sportsnet. They're they're great and uh, you know they're I'm sure they'll carry on and do a great job. But we just see like these people that we have recognized as being part of their coverage and now they're no longer there simply because of budgetary reasons.
1: Well, look, there is no secret in this industry that Sportsnet cannot sell ads at the rate it needs to to pay out the money to the National Hockey League. They're just sinking. And it's happening in more than a few markets, even on regional deals. There is a problem with the broadcast model and the money the NHL is commanding versus what can be sold. That's it. So eventually you have one choice. You can't renegotiate the deal. You can only sell so much at a certain price point. You have to, you have one thing you can control as a business and that's your expenses. Right. And just like overpaying, overpaying guys on a team, and avoiding bad contracts, Sportsnet's taking the business approach with Kyprios. And they're probably saying, he's been here 20 years. He's probably got some pretty significant salary expectations. What are they? And they've had those conversations. They said, we can't do that. It doesn't make sense for us. We have to keep cutting and cutting until we can get things in line. Mm-hmm. So what you're looking for, and it's no different in any cycle of business, but it's particularly brutal in the media world right now, not just hockey media, but all media all like channels of media in that you want to get people in who are hungrier, looking to get the big paycheck and try and negotiate that and realize that you gave them the forum to start and that you have some leverage over them as opposed to trying to attract talent and just buy it as a free agent or keep re-signing people who are there. And, and in fair more than that, course,
2: you know what else? Because there are so many options that it's hard to be like that massive giant that gets all the ratings anymore it is hard
1: to do that you you have to be the best of the best to get those things yeah right The, the the two big heavyweights in canada which means for the nhl in terms of media names are bob mckenzie and elliot friedman right everyone else falls on beneath them if you're not one of them you you're, you're, those are your upper echelon. Yeah. We know Bob and he's been open about it is coming sort of near the end of his frequency of appearances. He wants to sort of fade out a little bit and do things on his terms. Yeah. He Elliot, he's
0: basically saying he's going to retire after this year or at least step back.
1: Yeah. Step back, maybe come back and do the world juniors, do some things he really likes doing. Right. Elliot will take over the mantle of, of the top dog and rightfully so he's done everything to earn that. And there is no one better. The, the issue now comes is, how do you fill in for content? What are you going to do? And this is where I think people have to really look at Sportsnet and, and consider, what's their long-term content strategy? Because they've got all the platforms, but you have to fill it with something. And that's where the keys are going to come about what they're going to do. And I think it's already... Out there a little bit of where they're going. I think now we're going to start seeing the real change. And as much as uh, George Strombolopoulos was a debacle when they first got the rights, you don't always learn by being right, you learn by being wrong. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. they were wrong on a lot of fronts there, but if they were smart, they learned a lot. And I think we're just starting to see what they're going what they're learning and where they're going to go with that, but it'll be really interesting, but you got to make room for change and Kiprioso is taking up space.
0: Yeah. And I I think that the onus just, just like with, with TSN, unless things massively change, you know, when, when Bob McKenzie takes a step back after next year, you're probably going to see, Uh, Pierre Lebrun and Darren Drager take a bigger role in terms of being the insiders for TSN. I mean, I know, you know, I agree with you. And I I know Elliot Friedman, he's a great guy and uh, you know, he's, Top's in the business. Uh, Chris Johnston as well is going to probably take a much bigger role. He's very well connected and uh, a really, really smart and great guy. So I think he, you know he'll he will uh, step into probably some of the role that Kiprios had. But they they you know they had three insiders. And they, they basically said, okay, we can afford two. And that's probably what the what the whole situation was. And, you know, I mean, it sucks for, for, for Kiprios. And I hope he finds another opportunity out there somewhere. You maybe, know, yeah, maybe NBC in the States. I don't know if he wants to uproot from Toronto, but that might be an opportunity for him.
1: I think if you just take the idea of insiders and you sort of compare, you know, compare one to the other with TSN and Sportsnet, TSN always had the advantage. Mm-hmm. But now with the way things have changed and the eventual sort of what, what Rogers did when they went for that NHL deal was to say, we think we can make money on it, but we can also basically cripple the competition in this by the longevity of the deal. So what we're going to do is we, it's like waiting them out and we know we've got a younger stable and we're going to push that through. They tried it too quick. And now they're coming back around. So when you take Bob McKenzie out, Darren Dreger as nice a guy as he is, um, is, is sort of how much we see of him. There's a little bit of uh, suspicion around his modus operandi when it comes to some things. And we all know what that's around, um, how he's reported on things in the past or sides he's taken. He hasn't been entirely impartial. Uh, and the way he presents things. LeBron's probably your guy. But again, you've got to be able to package something around those guys. And that's what I think Sportsnet is really betting on is that in the next few years, you take Bob out, they're going to have a better opportunity to package around their guys and what we see coming is going to be fascinating.
2: Just to give you an example to to take this to an area where what, what money is being spent on and where teams find it important. So yesterday the uh the flyers started to install the their massive scoreboard it's a it's the world's first 4k kinetic center hung scoreboard this thing is massive it's 50 more screen than it used to have uh they also they there's crazy stuff that's coming out of it like there's going to be lights shown out of it and you know, I made the joke that, well, the Astrodome had the exploding scoreboard back in the day when I was there, and they did, except it was in, like, stick figure. Uh, but they're spending a lot of money on it. I don't know how much, but that tells you that, yes, like, as an example, we will spend a lot of money on players, but we're spending a lot on this to make sure fans are entertained
0: just in case.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, Absolutely. It's yeah, very important.
0: Yeah, bells and bells and whistles. You know, let, let's just say this. I think that the you know teams are want to improve their in-game experience for their fans, and uh, like I could offer suggestions. Not that teams would listen, but I could offer suggestions based on me going to to as many games as I have over the years. And you know, I'm an I'm an older demographic, but you know, the blaring music. The, you know, so these, these are some of the things that they should get rid of. Um, But I think like the bells and whistles of a scoreboard, uh, like certain things that they do during, during the, during the game, I think would attract people to come to games more, more readily, but there are a lot of things that they do right now. I think that are turnoffs.
1: I think everyone, one around the league should be taking notice of what Carolina did this year. This past season, they should be taking notice of what Nashville's done. They should be taking notice of some of these markets that weren't your traditional hockey markets and where they're having success, because what's happening in larger markets and established markets is you've always got your hardcores, but what's happening, what's happening is, is that the hardcores will watch it any way they can get right. They don't have to be in the building. It's the people who are willing to spend $12 a beer, can spend one hundred and seventy-five dollars on a ticket and make it a night out. And if that means corporate or it means sort of entertainment, you have to you have to sort of throw in other entertainment because sometimes the games are boring as hell, mm-hmm. and it's not there. You need to make sure people come out of that feel like, well, they tried their hardest, but I had a great night. You got right. well, to more- finish on with a great night.
2: Mm-hmm. So that scoreboard was delivered in nineteen trucks. It's ninety thousand pounds. It's $15 million and it looks like it retracts. Like it goes out for a while when they want to show like full video and then we'll go in a little bit when
0: they don't like, it's crazy. Well, I wonder if it's as big as the one in Tampa. Cause that one is like, it's bigger than Tampa and wow. it's the same size as
2: Dallas, except or similar size. I don't know if it's the same, similar size to Dallas, but Dallas is a fixed to a wall. And this one's at center ice, so this is the first one, like,
0: in the center of play. Wow. Hopefully it doesn't collapse like the one in Buffalo did. Um, Okay, we'll take a couple questions. Buffalo, Mike. This is Philadelphia. We don't do things like that. (laughs) I'm not touching that one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Andrew Strauss asks, do you guys think that Braden Point will take less long-term like the other core bolts? Well, okay. No. The answer is no. He won't take less in the sense that, you know, I think he wants to get paid at the same level that Stamkos and Kucherov do. And, but, but the problem, the thing is is that he might take less because the Florida state taxes and he'll get more money on a lower deal than he would someplace else. So if he gets, I think he's going to get paid around what Stamkos is making, which is that's less, that's less than he would take from
2: another team, but that's not less than his teammates, which right. is Right.
1: Right. I think I, think, I he's, think he's going to be right in line with them, but he's yeah. not taking a discount.
0: No. No. The hometown discounts are done. They're over with. Nobody will do them anymore. Um funky asks hypothetical question. If the Leafs flame out in the first round of the playoffs and the Leafs fire Babcock, would he go back to Detroit to coach the Red Wings? Would Iserman want him?
2: Um, yeah, I think so. there would be a discussion because I think Jeff Blaschel gets discussed every year, right? Whether Even though he got an extension. Sure. So, yes, there would definitely be a discussion, and, yes, they would definitely
1: consider it. And I think there would be more than one suitor. But no one the 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 thing is is no one's going to give Babcock the kind of money he already has. He's no. off.
0: yeah. If 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 Edmonton had not hired Tippett, if they'd hired somebody else who's like a first time quote coach, I would say that guy would be in trouble if Babcock got fired. Because yeah. I think Holland, even though Holland at at the end of their relationship got a little sick of Babcock trying to to push things around and you know exert his control, he didn't uh, get sick of winning though. He didn't get sick of winning, exactly, and I can just imagine Babcock with, with, with McDavid. But see, this is the thing, and you know, this Funky asks, you know, put this, puts this in a hypothetical uh, situation in terms of them flaming out in the first round of the playoffs. That's his. That's his. That's his hope. That's yeah. I, well, I have the funny <laughs> thing is I have heard from people saying that if, even if they're in a playoff spot in the middle of the year, if they're not doing what you know, Dubas and Shanahan believe they should be doing that Babcock would be in under fire and possibly fired during the season. I don't think there's a chance in hell of that happening. I think he gets the entire year and he gets the playoffs. And if, if they get past the first round, he's staying, if they lose in the first round and lose badly, like they have. Um, and I, I consider losing in seven games to the Bruins when they were, I think an equally talented team. Um, you know, those were bad losses. They should have gotten past the first round in one of these three, in one of these two series. They didn't. Um, I think he's in deep trouble if they lose in the first round again. Uh, let's see. Any more questions here? Um, uh, uh, Solution says I should be the next on the air at Sportsnet. Um, I'm not sure what the color of the sky in your world is, but I'd like to see it. Um, let's see. Did Babs and Eisman work together on Team Canada yes I believe they did yeah. and Eisenman was an assistant GM under Holland in Detroit so there's a relationship there I don't know how good it is but um I I would think that I would think that that's a possi- that that you know that that is a possibility if Babcock is a free agent let's see here uh Terry gggg uh, let's see uh, RV Pir- 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 signing a in Finland, one-year deal with NHL out clause to December first. Thoughts, Peter? What do you think of that? Pulley Harvey signing. A, he signed a one-year deal in Carpat, but he has an out to get back to the NHL if he's traded by Edmonton before December first. Peter, mm, we can't hear you. Uh,
1: you froze not up. Better, there. not better. Yeah. Yeah. sorry. Also, yeah, I turned my mic down. Sorry, I was just having background noise. Sorry, I have no problem with what he's doing um it's amazing how many people all of a sudden have the most incredible um insight on puliyarvi's uh development situation right. now in hindsight after what 3 years yeah um it, it's absolutely incredible where this ban- the, this library of knowledge was for the past 3 years it, it's incredible i think um why wasn't this being touted ages ago. The fact of the matter is this is a prospect that's been mishandled by the Oilers Mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. And the player may have some responsibility in that. I don't shirk him of responsibility, Mm -hmm. but the team also has to look at how do you integrate this in there. And, and if you want to make getting six minutes a right of passage and you have to earn it like you did in the seventies and eighties, you're in the wrong profession. Now that's gone that that whole mentality is gone you need to you need to give players a position to succeed with their strengths and help them figure out their weaknesses it's not figure out your weaknesses then you'll get a chance to succeed it doesn't work that way anymore yeah
2: i just i look at it and i say this is how desperate he was to be traded they didn't trade him so now he's going to play at least he's going to play and i think it's good for him so i don't have a problem with him doing it now the issue will be: Can they trade him to make him sign his out? Because if he doesn't like the deal or where he's going, he's just staying over there. He's got the he's got the hammer now, and before he didn't, but now he does.
0: Yeah. Uh, last question here uh, from Bob Dracula: uh, <laughs> uh, With all the new talent on the Rangers, is Quinn on a short lease this year? I would say no. No, he is not. He he. The longer term
2: you have as a coach on your contract, the more power you have. And he's he's got a lot of term left. So, no, he's fine. They've just built up the team, so is there more pressure on Quinn? Sure. sure.
0: Yep. Yeah, I mean, they're going to expect results with the addition of Panera and the addition of sure. Truba Fox. I think, you know, they should contend for a wild-card spot. They have to show growth. They do but if and if they don't then i think he might be on the short leash next year but not this right. year. no not this year there's going to be there's going to be a natural well we got to see how this all these pieces fit together even next
2: year he's got what 3 years left on his deal yeah i don't think they would buy him out even next year he's yeah. good for a couple more years easy
0: Okay, good show. Um, we will be back with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast tomorrow. At some point, we will uh, spay, uh, pay attention to my uh, Twitter feed at Mike in Buffalo for uh, you know when we will have the show. It either it will be a 1 o'clock or 3 o'clock, but we'll make it known before those times. Uh, for the departed Peter Tessier, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey.